good afternoon professor jha uh, welcome to another episode of uh, jsi podcast series good afternoon anirudh nice to be back again thank you sir so sir my first question is how did you develop an interest in the security studies you know my family belongs to people who are from police uh, uh, army and int backgrounds and uh, when i was studying with regard to uh, understanding different aspects of security so somebody told me just like food water residents so the critical component of life when it's the life started on earth itself was security also which was a primary concern so i and i looked into how this security studies have really developed over a period of time and you will find lot of interesting areas and a lot of uh, developments which are so dynamic that you have to keep abreast with whatever is really going on so this domain uh, really enticed me to studying it harder because it always uh, poses you new challenges in different areas different concepts different theories and also new actors and factors which are involved in security studies thank you thank you uh, is there any specific topic that you find interesting in the security studies like uh, since you are my international security professor uh, you have taught us uh, you have taught us various fields of uh, security studies so in that what is the most interesting field that that you feel is most interesting in fact when i study security the basic layman foundations with regard to army military modernization all of these things are very interesting but i got really interested into new disruptive technologies technologies which are emerging which are challenging the set establishment in terms of security military preparedness and all those things and i find these disruptive technologies are more human centric uh, science centric and and technology which was not given that credence in uh, in uh, in the past is likely to come up a major uh, factor in the uh, international security as well as international relations studies and disruptive technologies is one field where i will find uh, I, i usually uh, think that scientist and the social scientist will come together particularly those hailing from international relations to look into different aspects and how they have been they could be applied uh, in in different scenarios and theaters per se as such thank you uh, so uh, now coming back to the topic which is uh, drone warfare uh, uh, can you explain us what is the difference between a drone and a uav and uh, according to you which is more effective Uh, when you look into drones all all the drones are uavs but not all uavs are drones and the basic factor is that drones do have rotary blade which can be used for delivery of certain things even supplying medicines without contact lens contact lens but uavs unarmed vehicles uh, unmanned uh, air, air vehicles which are used primarily for for uh, offensive and defensive purposes also but now there is a new concept which is coming which is known as unmanned air systems which means the complete ecosystem which involves you know the uav the operator the signaling the radio transmission and all those things which which create a complete ecosystem of these things so while while drones have been used primarily for civilian purposes and also for a limited extent for reconnaissance surveillance across borders or that kind of thing but uavs do have become much more potent with regard to the coming of unarmed combat air vehicles which which really look into how these you know targets can be destroyed how these can be relocated zeroed in and also verification uh, after any attack by any uh, you know military aircraft has been done most of these ucavs 
are being used to really look whether the target has been destroyed or there is a need for a second strike in, in the long run as such. So there is not much of a difference, but just uh, in terms of drones and UAVs, the basic thing is that there is the drones are, uh, you can find uh, virtual lift drones, even those which have having rotary blades or something like that. But UAVs are slightly more sophisticated in terms of kind of command and control in, in comparison to drones, but drones are also getting more sophisticated. You mentioned about uh, unmanned vehicle, un, uh, unmanned aerial systems. Is that going to come into the civilian life or is it going to stick to only military uh, purposes? Like I talked about, drones can be used for civilian purposes for delivery, maintenance, and, and, and also looking into, let's say drones can be used for you know uh, looking into the pipelines, whether there is a breach or there is a security issue which is involved to certain critical uh, corridors or or uh, infrastructure, that kind of thing. But UAVs are basically used for, for long endurance and looking into high altitude regions where they can be really looked into it. But the problem is that when we use, you know, uh, terminologies, drones seem more resonating rather than UAVs because UAVs, you will have to explain, explain to the audience that what exactly is UAVs, what do we really mean by it. But drones, everybody knows because it's in a common life and you find a lot of drones which have been used for, you know, marriages, celebrations. So people say, okay, this is, this means. Yes. So for the easy, easy understanding, people most often use drones. That is the critical aspect of it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, when was the first time when, uh, where drones have been used in an actual war scenario, or I must say UA, UAVs have been used in an actual war scenario? If you look into US development, particularly Boeing and other company, and which have been working in the case of UAVs and, and drone technologies. And the major use of the drones have been done in the first Gulf War. And also because there was a more need to know with regard to the ground stations, the ground attack and all those things. But even before that, it has been used. I won't be able to tell you when exactly was the first time the drones were used, but it has been seen that whenever we talk about command and control system, the complete ecosystem, where you use drones, military aircraft, surveillance aircraft, uh, uh, surface-to-air missiles. So these comprise a complete ecosystem, and therefore most of these uh, are work in uh, in progress, which are worked in that scenario per se. So now, when we talk about you know drones, now uh, what has really you know landmark development is that uh, a soldier can carry a drone on its shoulder and on its backpack, and subsequently launch it at high altitude regions and collect the data, which is useful for its unit or a particular platoon. Or, or a unit that is really commanding per se as such. So it is much more localized, much more you know, easy to carry per se as such, but there are larger you know, UAVs which have been used where there is complete command and control system which looks into an operational area. And also uh, with, with a period of time, if you look into the last Gulf War until date, it's nearly about uh, more than two decades as such, the technology has developed tremendously, you know, both in terms of surveillance, reconnaissance, cameras which are on board, many of these drone systems, and also GPS location and, and positioning systems, which have uh, done wonders in this context per se as such. So these, these have really developed, uh, you know, drone warfare as a major area of uh, concern and always a challenge for the militaries across the world. Thank you. The recent news has been over the trilateral relations created between the Turkey, Azerbaijan and Pakistan. Could you explain it uh, to us about it more? Now, Turkey has benefited a lot, a lot because being the member of a NATO, it was able to get technology, particularly with regard to drone, 
and certain sophisticated systems from the NATO partner, particularly France, Germany, and also uh, uh, other European countries, and also US per se as such. So it has adapted these kind of technology, developed its own military industrial complex, and has been really benefited from those technologies. But given the fact that it is now aligning with Pakistan, which has a very soured relationship with France because of these uh, you know, attacks which have been uh, done in the past, and also the sympathy that both Turkey and Pakistan have expressed with regard to this you know, radical Islamist movements across Europe, so this, you know, this, the uh, uh, the understanding which was there between the NATO partners itself is slightly getting fractured. The second issue is that Pakistan and Turkey both want to be the bigger leader in the Islamist world. So, you know, Turkey was seen as a moderate Islamic nation, but now it is going into the way of becoming more radical and is trying to emerge as a major player in the, both the Arab politics as well as in Northern Africa per se as such. In this context, many of these uh, countries in the Middle East, particularly Saudi Arabia, Iran, and even Israel is slightly getting paranoid with regard to Turkey's inroads into it. And since Pakistan is a nuclear power, so this you know, marriage of convenience is, is a matter to be seen into from all angles, you know, from economic angle, from political angle, and all those things. And with regard to Turkey, India never had a very comfortable relation with Turkey. And, and we see that the way Turkey is doing particularly its role in, in the nearby regions and how it is trying to influence politics as well as supporting radical Islamist uh, elements is a matter of concern. And Pakistan joining the uh, fray is, is all the more important for us. Sir, this, is, this might be a slightly out of question, but now since Pakistan has been in the gray list of FATFT, which is Financial Action Task Force, ta task force and this drone deal, which is done between, the, between Turkey and Pakistan, so wouldn't uh, wouldn't be it uh, wouldn't be it like uh, handing uh, Pakistan a deadly weapon which could cause destruction in uh, the Kashmir and other border regions? Uh, with regard to you know Pakistan being in the grey list with regard to financial action task force, <clears throat> it has to comply with regard to certain rules and regulations which has not abided uh, by it for till date itself, particularly curbing. The terrorist elements and those terror groups which have been really working on its soil. With regard to these defense deals which is done between Turkey and Pakistan, there has not been that amount of sanctions which can really curtail this kind of a military uh, relationship between Turkey and Pakistan. Yes, of course, FATF will pose certain problems with regard to you know payments and all, all those aids and assistance program which is coming from abroad. But I don't think it will be a major hurdle with regard to the defense deal between Turkey and Pakistan per se as such. Thank you. But didn't UN or the United States indulge during this uh, deal when the deal was happening? And since we, since the world knows that Pakistan is a great threat to the uh, Southeast Asian countries, so didn't they take any action against Pakistan and Turkey for this deal? Basically, uh, you know, Turkey has already been facing <coughs> technological sanctions because it has developed certain technologies which was not meant to be developed because of assimilating different technologies together and creating its own drain technology, which is uh, TB2, or uh, it has a very unique name as per se as such. And, and this kind of a technology development has uh, forced many of the nation to put on technological curbs on uh, Turkey itself. So which means the advanced stages of this whole drone technology will not be available to Turkey because it has benefited a lot per se as such. Yes, US will impose 
certain certain regulations, certain technological sanctions per se as such. But since Turkey can always say that these technologies I have adopted uh, and adapted my, uh, uh, my and, and developed new kind of a technologies. So I don't think there might be too much uh, uh, curbs on it. But yes, new technology will not be landing up in Turkey, Turkey that I'm very sure of. How is this deal going to affect the overall scenario of the war? Means we now, uh, since we, since now, still now, uh, countries are following the conventional war of holding guns and firing at the enemies. How is the drone warfare going to change the scenario of the war? war? Uh, basically, you know, drone gives, uh, uh, you know, a, a very good uh, 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 view of the battlefield or a particular targeted space per se as such. But drone also have uh, uh, problems with regard to endurance, and it cannot really sustain long-term electronic warfare, which means interfering with the frequency signals so that the command and control system can, can really not contact the drone in the longer period of time. But now drones have nearly you know, sustenance of near about 12 hours to 24 hours, so which means they can really hover around the targeted area. And if needed, they can really launch uh, that kind of uh, you know, attack and, and in the past also, there have been certain reports that drone have been used for certain uh, assassination. In fact, uh, Venezuela president, it was reported that he has been targeted by one of the drone where it, it uh, some kind of explosive charge was released so as to kill this Venezuelan president, uh, Maduro as such. So, so these kind of things can be used in the, in the, in the long run. And, and, but the thing is that uh, these drones will completely change the, uh, the landscape. But then the thing is that Whenever the technology like new technology like drone, uh, drones or swarming of small drones into a particular field per se as such, the biggest vulnerability of drones is that most of the drones don't have a, a what is called metal you know, chip facility per se as such. They, these chips can malfunction. These chips can be melted per se. You know, it, it, the, the whole circuitry can be melted if a certain frequency can be really zoomed in or, or thrown at that particular drone itself. So in that way, that, that can be really you know, impeded. There can be hindrances in the operation of the drones, and which we have seen in the past itself. In fact, Boeing way back in 2014 has been working on disrupting the communication between drones and the, uh, the command and control unit of a particular drone per se as such. And I, I think while drone is really do, doing a lot of, lot of damage in, we have seen in the case of Nagorno-Karabakh as such, but it is also vulnerable to threats which might be coming from the ground station, electronic warfare, as well as air warn or early warning systems, as well as surveillance uh, aircraft, which might be flying much higher than the potential threshold of a drone per se as such. Thank you. Uh, how is a country going to equip itself for, to avoid the drones attacking, uh, attacking their territory? Means what are the latest uh, equipments that they will acquire to, uh, you know, uh, avoid the drone to attack the territory or you know the drone to capture the uh, capture the images or the data about the territory about a particular territory or a land basically one of the important critical elements which have been used for any adversarial aircraft is your radars you know which look into okay there is a, some uh, some uh, flying object which is unidentified per se has breached the border or the territory and it needs to really lift, lift into it. The second aspect is that really creating that uh, Doppler signature uh, by a multi-static radar and therefore 
which can really pinpoint that the drone is within that particular one kilometer radius. And then you can uh, uh, undertake multiple uh, you know, uh, measures to counter that itself. And, and there have been uh, uh, multiple you know, uh, aspects which have been used for detection of drones as well as UAVs, and which, which, which means that the, you can know what exactly is the size of the drone, what exactly is the speed of the drones. And there is technologies which is, which is existent because there are radars which really throw a, a, a frequency array itself and therefore get the complete composition of a drone per se with regard to its, uh, its, its range, its uh, particularly you know, uh, operational areas and what exactly are, 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 the, are the places that it is trying to target in a particular theater per se as such. So the critical aspect when you look into the drone technologies and how they are really working on it, basically is to detect uh, the, the drone. Second is localize where exactly is it operating. Operating, And the third aspect is how to track that drone so that when you, you, you uh, counter the drone itself, it can be done. In fact, with regard to very other uh, aspects which have been, you know, there is a, a high energy laser which can be thrown at the drone itself. There is a microwave beam which can be uh, sent to the drone to make it you know, malfunction per se as such. But the thing is that, as I told you, there is a longer endurance time of the drone. It will, again, whenever this frequency or those uh, countermeasures are deployed, and whenever they are shut down, it will try to again connect it to its command and control system and try to find its way back into the uh, where it was launched as such. So therefore, there is a need to block its frequency uh, in which it is really operating with its command and control. Second, it needs to really kill its GPS locationing system because GPS locationing system, uh, at times it helps to bring the drone back to the home station per se as such. So once you interfere with the frequency in which it is really working, and second, it's your GPS locationing system, then it becomes very problematic for the drone to really operate. And then the only thing that is left for you is to pinpoint the drone and kill the drone in the best possible way. Because, you know, uh, surface-to-air missiles or, or other countermeasures with regard to air defense might not be very much feasible because it's a costly affair. But these other technologies, which are really coming up in a big way, and I don't think drone will be a major issue in, in coming days because when Turkey is using it and France sees that it has been used for other purposes, it is very much aware that it might be used for other supporting other non-state actors operations per se as such. And we have seen in also in the past that Islamic State has used uh, uh, this uh, smaller drones for uh, surveillance and reconnaissance when it was facing uh, uh, the armies uh, from, uh, from Middle East per se, particularly the Syrian and, and the other armies located in that particular range itself. So I think a drone is, 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 is there to stay, but uh, in terms of Countermeasure, I think there are a lot of many countermeasures which are already in place. Just because of confidentiality, not many have been exposed to the general public per se as such. Thank you. Thank you, sir. My next question is, how is India going to equip itself since Pakistan is getting the drones from the uh, from Turkey? Means, how does Indian uh, does the Indian Defense Forces have uh, have enough drones? to counter Pakistan or uh, does it need to acquire many uh, acquire uh, drones? Basically, when we have signed this, you know, uh, um, uh, Kamikasa uh, agreement with his basic exchange cooperation agreement with the US, we have got certain advantages because at times when you want to really, you know, look into the drone signature, you look into other kind of operations per se as such, 
then you get a lot of you know satellites spy satellites uh, which which provide you data on a real time basis and you can utilize it because if you want to pinpoint a drone or something like that you can utilize that kind of a data per se as such now the second aspect is that india itself has a unit which is known as army technology board project which looks into what kind of a new technologies which are coming up within ministry of external affairs there is another division which has been created which is nest uh, you know uh, it's a uh, strategic technologies uh, which has been looking into strategic technologies how it is building so in this regard i believe mod ministry of defense and and me are also looking for those uh, projects those technologies which are available in open demand and 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 let me tell you that we uh, we are not short of money per se as such on all these new technologies things in fact when 3d printing came in our uh, ordnance factory board was the first to get hands on it and we have lot other projects which are there with regard to laser guns killing through laser pinpointed my um, uh, beams and and uh, other things which are there in, 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 but uh, it is slightly confidential projects which are always already already there in fact in one of the cases when pakistan was using one of those primitive drones not the highly sophisticated ones the persons who were at the borders were not knowing that what kind of a uh, thing is that they used to report to the higher command that we used certain unidentified flying objects and when it was monitored it came to know that pakistan was using this to monitor our positions our cantonment our units itself but the next time this uh, drone was up uh, uh, on the border areas it was shot down and and therefore we are prepared uh, uh, on this aspect and we are making you know due diligence so that the civil industry as well as defense industry should come together because it has you know as i told it's a dual use technology so it might be used for offensive purposes defensive purposes also so for industrial use in case you want to deploy give medicines or or extra you know uh, support in terms of any earthquake to any far out uh, areas itself so so we are working on into it and uh, basically one major uh, uh, you know uh, in this uh, area is with regard to when we talk about uh, defense procurement and policy with regard to it we have already made certain provisions with regard to innovation in defense excellence and also instituted technology development funds and i i'm very sure that the amount of talent that we have in india with regard to technology and developing that kind of technologies we are surely going to have an indigenous counter drone technologies which might be just uh, on the horizon thank you thank you sir the us uh, when a us manufacturer manufactures a drone that costs around 12 billion now turkey came into the drone industry and took the monopoly out, uh, monopoly out by manufacturing a drone which costs about uh, 5 million dollars uh, please correct me if I, if my stats are uh, wrong now that pakistan is also uh, is considered as an ally to turkey is there a chance that turkey would sell its drone to india and if not what are the other alternatives that india can look into basically you know if you look into our defense exports we have been exporting uh, some you know shells you know particularly ordinance to turkey in the past but given the fact that turkey position in the past has been very pro pakistan so we have stopped selling these kind of defense equipment to turkey per se as such now turkey has been really trying with the idea to explore you know the their their you know technologies their drones effectiveness in different theaters but the thing is that if turkey gets into uh, pakistan starts selling these kind of things and tries to really nurture them 
then then the problem is the nato will be overlooking all these kinds of transaction and turkey's nato membership will be coming under due duress as such uh, however uh, this uh, turkey pakistan and even if china they, they get into these kind of technological development because if you remember one of those us drones was shot down in iran and the uh, tail of that particular drone was taken over to china to develop uh, and understand this us technology per se as such now if yes. you look into this drone technologies us has been the leader so if uh, turkey can develop certain drones for a lesser cost yes of course there will be many takers but uh, given the fact that we do have certain kind of disposable income in the military field you know because uh, we will definitely like to make an arrangement with boeing because now what kind of a, a thing is in technology domain is as much sophistication that you have and i definitely know that boeing will definitely like to have a drone which can kill the other drone and there might be a laser kill equipment on board so if turkey can wreck and havoc we might have a boeing which might have a drone kill technology on board so we don't have to worry much in this regard because in the in the market dynamics anybody who pays the larger amount will be having the best laugh in terms of technology domain yes sir uh, so now that uh, turkey has taken over taken over the monopoly or taken out the monopoly of us uh, is there any chance that uh, the us government will put any restrictions or tariffs on turkey like it did it uh, like it did it on uh, china and what will the restrictions like be you know the situation of turkey is like hot potato so when france is is on the uh, is on the other side of the fence and turkey is on the other side of the fence with regard to islamists and supporting those radical elements in this thing i think the us will support france more than turkey from the purely political point of view also it knows that since turkey is really trying to galvanize and put pakistan and other you know uh, uh, very uh, see, uh, rogue nations particularly i will use the word rogue nations into this ambit uh, uh, the us and other countries which are involved in the nato membership asel will be also looking into the future when these drones will hand, land up in north korea or any other country per se and they have that huge problem which might be really uh, at their hands so uh, us will not put any sanctions but then if turkey tries to act as a rogue state per se as such then i believe turkey's nato membership will be in real danger because you cannot have a rogue nato member really staying along on your side itself as such yes i think uh, this question i have developed uh, over uh, over listening to a lot of podcast of ranveer alabadia and it has been a habit of me ever since so what are the three books that you what are the few books that you would suggest a student like me or a first year student uh, who wants to develop an interest in uh, security studies in fact there are few websites you know because it's a it's a very developing sort of a area you can look into futurism which talks about technology how it is going to change the technologies you also have international security which is the you know uh, foundation book which is written by peter haw and how it it really looks into it but this this whole international security you can look into the jeans defense year books jeans defense weekly these magazines will keep you updated but one journal i will definitely recommend with regard to which is the name itself is international security and which is one of its journal which puts on regular columns with regard to technology with regard to development and how this whole uh, area is going to develop in in the near future per se as such and yes of course 
there are many books which deal with you know 4G industrial revolution, AI, and machine learning. So you can lay your hand in one of the elementary books related to the subject matter and try to understand it. In fact, there is a wonderful book on disruptive technologies and which you can really read to know what is the future of the international security for CSR. Thank uh, you. Sir, my next question, I'm not able to uh, foresee the background of yours, which talks, which uh, states the Centers for Security Studies. And mm -hmm. uh, I would really, uh, I would really love to know more about it. So if you could please explain the audience. Uh, it, uh, this Center for Security Studies basically was a brainchild of few of the students who said that we need to really understand security in a much more nuanced way. And I said that we are not going to do uh, op-ed articles. We are going to do a thorough research work, which might be dealing with one of the topical issues or a very uh, uh, important issues which might be coming up in future. So the Center for Security Studies particularly was raised to bring up the research acumen among the students. Second, understand security not from journalistic perspective, but from a thorough international IR, international security expert. You need to look into the other side of the picture itself. There might be because lately we have seen there is a lot of agenda propaganda. Both are going simultaneously from, from journalist point of view, from newspaper point of view. So I want to have a, uh, have a complete you know, superstructure which can create an unbiased view about security issues and how students need to develop that acumen research, looking into the fine nitty gritty micro analysis so that when you stand and when you go out for the for career or also in terms of any interview, the people can say, look, this person has got a different kind of a thinking, different kind of a credibility, different kind of a research on a certain particular topic. And therefore my purpose for establishing Center for Security Studies is to equip, equip the students with regard to understanding security in a nuanced and much more research oriented way. So that is basically. Thank you so much, sir, for sparing uh, sparing time for this podcast. I know you have uh, you have had a really hectic day because uh, even I have attended the dialogue uh, Center for Security Studies dialogue, and I uh, and I can't imagine what work you have, uh, what all you have gone through to bring the dialogue uh, to this stage. So, uh, from me, from uh, on behalf of the uh, whole podcast team, I really thank you for sparing time for such a wonderful and insightful podcast. Uh, we will meet again. Uh, we, we will meet again uh, with another podcast. I'm sure we will have a lot of episodes in the future. So, thank you so much, sir. Thank you, Anand. Nice talking to you. Thank and you. Bye bye. Same here. Same here. This is Anirudh signing on, signing off JSI podcast series.